You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to an edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, your host. What a week it's been. What a great show NXT TakeOver 31 was. What a great AEW Dynamite we had last night at the time of this recording. We've got the draft coming this Friday and this coming Monday for WWE. A lot to take care of, a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. I'm going to kick things off with AEW from last night and another great episode of Dynamite. I mean, we can't really be surprised there. I don't necessarily know too many really bad or god-awful episodes of Dynamite, but this is another really good episode. Uh, In this episode, we saw in the beginning Brian Cage take on Will Hobbs for the FTW Championship. We had Ricky Starks and Taz on commentary. uh, Brian Cage beat Will Hobbs. After the match, Taz offers Will Hobbs a spot on Team Taz. He goes and says, I'm going to give you two options here, Hobbs. Either option A, you join Team Taz, or option B, you say no, and Ricky Starks and Brian Cage are going to beat the ever-living hell out of you. So Taz was saying that Hobbs showed heart and that that earned him a spot if he wants it on Team Taz. Now, Will Hobbs did not answer. Hobbs was in the corner. Ricky Starks and Brian Cage looked like they were about to beat up. Will Hobbs and then Darby Allen comes in and evens up the odds. Will Hobbs never gave an answer and... Brian Cage and Ricky Starks just leave. They don't want any part of Darby Allen. They want to fight. Dar- uh, Taz is calling Darby Allen a punk. And one day you're going to regret sticking your nose into our business. So I like this opening segment. I like this opening match. It was really, really good. Um, I could definitely see Will Hobbs joining Taz and his group. Because it would be... I mean, it would be cool. I mean... Right now, the group is just Taz and Ricky Starks, and I could see Brian Cage and Will Hobbs be like this big Hoss tag team. I could see that. That's actually something I want to see. So I would want Will Hobbs to join Team Taz, and I i mean, again, that's just me personally. I would like to see Will Hobbs join Team Taz, but uh, we maybe we could see Hobbs join Team Taz, and then he starts a feud with Darby Allin. Because we've seen Hobbs and Ricky Starks. I think we're pretty sure we've seen Hobbs and Brian Cage. Sorry, uh, Brian Cage and Darby Allen. But I definitely would want to see Hobbs and Darby Allen. I think those two would have really great chemistry together. And they have a really great match. Uh, what came next was FTR had their 20 minutes of greatness match against uh, TH2. Again, it was uh, Jack Evans and Helico. And this was another really great tag match. Wow, look at that. Tag team wrestling being prominently featured on a wrestling show, on a weekly television show. Isn't that great? We all love tag team wrestling. At least I love tag team wrestling. Vince McMahon doesn't seem to love tag team wrestling. But anyway, I I digress. This match was a lot of fun. It was really great. Again, I keep saying that FTR are the best heel tag team in the world to the point where I might just say they are the best tag team in the world, but I have not said that yet. I might, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, 
I was glad to see Angelico and Jack Evans get a nice spot on the card, and they've been on Dark, from what I understand. They mentioned that on commentary. I really don't get to watch AEW Dark at all. Sorry, AEW Dark. I just I just don't have the time to watch it. It's so much wrestling already that I cover on this podcast. But I was glad to see them on Dynamite because when I first saw them, I believe I yeah I think I first discovered them when they came to Devil or Nothing and. I saw some clips on Being the Elite when they were hyping up all the members on their roster. I'm like, damn, these guys are great. They're really, really good. They're a great tag team. Very acrobatic, you know, high-flying, uh, high-flying moves. And uh, and Helico is a big, tall dude who does these great high-flying moves. They're just a great tag team, and they're very, I mean, to me, they're unique. They're very unique, at least when I first saw them. And it was good to see them, have again, have a prominent spot on the card against the tag team champions. It was great. The match made them, I think, made both teams look really good. And while this is going on, the Young Bucks are watching this match backstage on the television. And again, we're still planting these seeds for potential FTR and Young Bucks uh, move. You know, the, young, the Bucks are... I don't know if they'd say they're, comp- they're total heels or they're, they're definitely tweeners for sure. But after the match, you know, they saw the FTR won. They were mad. And then they see the camera guy who was shooting them throughout the match. He's, uh, Matt's like, hey, wait, wait a minute. Was you guys spying on us? Were you guys spying on us this whole time? And it goes, you know, like, all right, hit the favorite move, the favorite move. And then they hit him with the super kick, obviously. And then, like, oh, that felt good. And they're like, oh, shit. Sorry, man. Uh, you look a little uh, messed up there. Here, like, uh, I guess I have to pay the fine. Well, the 10,000, 10, 10K, Nick goes. And it's like, I, I, for, I forgot my wallet. And Matt goes, oh, are you kidding me, man? He's like, uh, well, I did too. Uh, n- next time, next time. It's just funny that it's become kind of a joke that the Bucks will just super kick anybody and they get fined. They're just like, they throw the money. It's like, whatever. We make this. This is nothing for us. Um, and then afterwards, a graphic of FTR in weenie costumes. Come up on the Titan Tron. And out come the best friends with them, with FTR and their t-shirts as weenies. Because <laughs> that's what they've been calling them. It's like, oh, you get it? You know, it's like, you know, they're wieners. You know, you're, because you're weenies. <laughs> um, but, you know, FTR is calling best friends a bunch of couple backstage, uh, backyard wrestlers, backyard comedy wrestlers. Uh, but... Chuck Taylor was saying, you know, it's funny because we bumped the Tony Khan on the way out here, and he says our AEW tag team title match is next week. So AEW, uh, sorry, FTR and Best Friends got into a bit of a brawl. They grabbed the tag title belts, held them up high, threw them back to FTR, and I don't think FTR are going to drop the tag title belts to Best Friends. But again, I'm really looking forward to this match because I've said that in the past couple of months or the past month and a half or however long it's been, the build that the best friends have been having and I think the year they've been having as a tag team has been really, really good. It's been excellent. Uh, I did enjoy their tag team uh, street fight with Santana and Ortiz, even though Meltzer did give it five stars. Uh, I still thought it was a fantastic match. I still thought it was great. Those two teams had amazing chemistry together. And I think these guys will have even better chemistry with FTR. Um, I mean, I think it's... I've seen that FTR has really been able to bring out the best in just about every tag team that they've faced. I mean, 
without counting like a team like the Lucha Bros, because I think the Lucha Bros' ta- best tag matches have been against the Young Bucks. But I think as far as every tag match, they've been they've been giving them competitive matches, and they at least the teams that don't get enough screen time, that haven't had enough TV time, or been on a pay per view. I think they've really done a great job helping again help elevate the tag division, which is what AEW wants. It's what the Young Bucks want. It's what we all want as wrestling fans, tag team wrestling fans. We want the, a tag team division to feel important. We want it to feel relevant, and that's obviously the case with AEW. I mean, again, if you're out there, if you, if you are two indie wrestlers, if you're wrestlers out there, you're a tag team, and you want to go where the best tag team wrestling is, you want to go to AEW right now. You want to go to AEW. I mean, you think you might want to go to NXT, which is not a bad option because you got great teams like, you know, uh, Imperium's over there, Undisputed Era, uh, uh, the Brizango, look, I think they're a fun tag team. I think they're good. Um, but again, the tag teams, even in WWE, is just it's it seems non-existent almost. But you definitely want to go to AEW if you're a tag team. If you're an independent wrestler and you're in a tag team, you want to go to AEW. That's where it's at. That's where the cream of the crop of tag team wrestling is right now. And anybody who's anybody wants to get there, uh, wants to get to AEW. So I'm really looking forward to that match next week. Really looking forward to the best friends in FTR. I think it could be, could be F, uh, F, uh, best friends best match in AEW. It's possible. It could be. It, it very well could be. Because I remember the first time I saw best friends was at Ring of Honor Final Battle 2017. So it was myself and my occasional co-host of this show, Sean McChesney. It was our first Ring of Honor show we ever went to, and the and the Ring of Honor tag title match was. Best friends, the challengers versus the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabian, and that was a hell of a match. It's the first time I ever got to see Motor City Machine Guns and Best Friends tag together. I already knew who Trent was because he was in WWE. I was aware of who oh, Chuck Taylor was, and I obviously knew who Motor City Machine Guns were. But it's the first time I saw them tag together and uh, have a tag match. And I'm like, these these two teams are fucking awesome. Both these guys are great. I already knew how great Motor City was. But, like, Taylor and Beretta, I wasn't really sure their whole tag team. But, like, these guys are awesome. And I'm just glad that they I've seen them grow all these past few years and they've been able to become a prominent uh, prominent feature on AEW. And I'm excited for this tag match next week. Coming up next on the show, what happened was the dog collar match between Brody Lee and the American Nightmare Cody. I would say that if this match didn't happen... FTR and uh, TH2 would have had the better match, but damn, th- this match was brutal. It was brutal. It was bloody. It was so good. It was so good. It might have been Brody Lee. Maybe, in my opinion, probably Brody Lee's best match in AEW. I don't know. I, I think I might have liked that more than his match with John Moxley at Double or Nothing. Yeah, I think I liked this match better than I liked the one at Double or Nothing. Yeah, I did. I thought this match was great. Um, you know, Cody and Brody Lee at one point were both bleeding, as JR would say, like stuffed pigs. They're using the dog collar as weapons. At one point, Cody tried to go for like a, a cutter or something, and Brody Lee yanked the the chain, pulling Cody down. You know, uh, he was choking Cody uh, when Cody was over the ropes with the dog collar, uh, with the chain. Cody, it's a moonsault. It was, and during the uh, commercial break, which I, it sucks this happened during the commercial break, but it 
but they had picture in picture. Uh, Cody hit a pile driver onto Brody Lee through the table, and that's where Brody got all uh, busted open. This match was definitely my favorite part of the show. It was definitely my favorite match that happened uh, for televised uh, shows this week. However, the outcome of the match was shocking because Cody won the TNT title back. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter. A lot of people were pissed off about this. There, are, A lot of people were pissed off saying how, you know, like, oh, Cody, he dropped the title. He was gone for a while, and now he fucking wins the title back. He's booking himself to win everything. You know, I think as wrestling fans, we need to stop moaning and whining and bitching and complaining. I'm calling out all you wrestling fans who don't fucking wait for things to play out and see how they go. Look, if you're going to complain about WWE, okay, I get it. We've all been there. But I feel like there's a big group of wrestling fans who, who wants to complain about shit just for the sake of complaining. And if you don't like Cody Rhodes, okay, you don't like Cody Rhodes. That You're entitled to your own opinion. But I think there's a bigger story in play here. I think that they wouldn't have put the title back on Cody just for just for having, you know, giving him the title back. I think there's a reason here. He got another he got a great babyface promo afterwards saying, you know, that everyone thought I was going to turn to the dark side and performing in front of you fans, you professional wrestling fans is the greatest feeling I could is the greatest feeling any of us could uh, could uh, could feel. We love you all. I love you all. And then you know, and I'm bringing back the the TNT Open Challenge, and Tony Schiavone was interviewing him in the ring, and he said, "Well, who are you gonna who are you gonna face?" And then out comes freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy comes out, gives the thumbs up, and it was made official after the commercial break that Cody Rhodes would defend the TNT Championship against Orange Cassidy. That's a positive to Cody winning the title back, is because he were gonna get the Open Challenge again, and I hope that. We do see more of guys who are upper on the card. I know he had matches with guys like who we obviously knew he wasn't going to win again. Uh, he, that the guy was going to win, like you know, like Mark Quinn and um, like Eddie Kingston. Him and, him and Eddie Kingston had a really great match for the TNT title. I think that we should start seeing people who are a bit higher up on the card. Or at least who are feel more prominent and feel more important to have a match. I think Orange Cassidy is the right guy to have the match with. I don't know if Orange Cassidy will win, but I do think they'll have a great match. Um, do I think overall? Do I think Cody Rhodes being the TNT champion was the right decision? Would I have booked Cody Rhodes to win the title back? Quite frankly, no. I would not have uh, had Cody win the title back. I would have had Brody Lee retain it. And I would have had Brody Lee drop the title down the line because I because I've always I have said that Dark Order has been on fire lately, and they've been another one of my favorite things about the show, and that I think they should have just kept this going on a little longer. Um, does that mean we won't get maybe Brody versus Cody at uh, full gear? I mean that's not completely out of the question, but I do think that Brody this this at least for now this rivalry between Cody uh, Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. I think it is over, at least for now. At least for now, it's over. Um, the fact of the matter is, who takes the title off of Cody Rhodes? I don't know. Should it be Orange Cassidy? 
Should it be someone like Eddie Kingston, Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, you know, uh, Kenny Omega? I don't know. But speaking of some of those names, Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix, Jungle Boy, along with Wardlow, Colt Cabana, and Hangman Adam Page, there is a number one contenders tournament, an eight-man number one contenders tournament. We know six of the eight competitors right now, and that tournament will determine who will be the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. Last night, Kenny Omega was being interviewed by Alex Marvez, and Kenny is quite confident that he will win this tournament. And while he was doing this, he was being interviewed, he was taking some slight shots at Hangman Adam Page. Alex Marvez said, your tag team partner, Hangman Adam Page, is going to be in this tournament. He's like, yeah, if if a tag team wrestler like Hangman Adam Page wants to get involved, he said things like, uh, I don't care whoever it is, I'm going to beat them, whether it's a tag team wrestler, or you're a cowboy, you're Hangman Adam Page, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Because I'm going to win. I excel in tournaments, and I will win this tournament and win the AEW Championship, regardless of whoever the champion is. So I think this tournament, obviously, it has to end with Hangman and Omega. It has to end with Paige and Omega. And I I think this is a great way to do it. I think this is a great way to get this singles match we've been wanting between Omega and Paige without necessarily animosity happening right away. Um, it's this. I think this can be a great way to build towards full gear. I think this tournament will, will see the culmination. Well, not the culmination. It will see the start of this feud between Omega and Page. And I think we are going to get very soon a full blown Kenny Omega heel turn. He's been teasing it and teasing it and teasing it, but I think we're gonna get it after full gear. That's what I think is gonna happen. And after full gear, we're going to get a heel Kenny Omega, and a heel Kenny Omega will go after a babyface John Moxley, where the roles are reversed. Not necessarily Mox is more of a tweener, if, I guess, if you're if we're talking it that way. But I digress. I've been saying forever about how I think Kenny Omega should be the one to take the title off of John Moxley, and who knows? Maybe you lead to Revolution next year, or Double or Nothing next year, and you lead to Kenny Omega. Versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. I do think AEW has a long-term plan here. And that's something that AEW is very good at. They do old-school booking with the new style of in-ring competition. And I think we will probably get Omega versus Page next year for the title. Where Page will finally win the championship. And as far as Cody goes... I'm going to trust the booking, and I'm going to trust AEW that I think something bigger is at play here. And I think it's going to shut up all the people who are like, no, fuck Cody Rhodes, blah, 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 blah. Look, just be patient, all right? I know WWE has conditioned us to shit on everything, be disappointed about everything, and be bitter about everything. But AEW has been trying to change that about us. They've been trying to change that about wrestling fans. They've been trying to make us happy that we're wrestling fans. Because I am. I'm happy that I'm a wrestling fan. I'm happy that I'm watching AEW. It's the best damn week-to-week in-ring product, television product, that's going on in pro wrestling. Finally, we're joining the show. Jake Hager and Chris Jericho, Les Champion, had defeated Luther 
And again, I cannot remember his this guy's name. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I cannot remember his name. But anyway, they beat Luther's tag team. And throughout the show, this was the 30th anniversary of Le Champion Chris Jericho. We had a lot of celebrity videos sent in congratulating Chris Jericho from Slash, Shaquille O'Neal, Lars Ulrich of Metallica. We had Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley from Kiss, Ted Irving, the father of Chris Jericho, or better know, you might know him as the famous hockey player from the New York Rangers. So many other people were in these videos and in these vignettes, but also we had Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling, congratulate Chris Jericho on AEW television. Now, this has led some people to believe, are we going to get New Japan AEW partnership? Are we going to see more of this? I think this has been something that's been talked about forever. I think there's a good chance you can get a good working relationship with AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I wouldn't necessarily think we see a partnership with AEW and New Japan because I don't think either company needs the other to survive. I definitely think that. I definitely don't think AEW needs New Japan. I don't think New Japan needs AEW. But would I like to see the two companies work together so we can get these amazing dream matches? Uh, yes, absolutely. I want to see uh, you know, matches. I want to see Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega, which is a match we didn't get to get to have finished in New Japan. I want to see matches like you know FTR versus Gorillas of Destiny. You know, I want to see Will Ospreay versus Brian Cage or Will Ospreay versus Darby Allin or Will Ospreay versus Sammy Guevara. You know, Proud and Powerful versus uh, the Gorillas of Destiny. Sonata versus uh, Darby Allin. You know, the list goes on and on and on. A rematch between Chris Jericho and Tetsuya Naito. You know, Jay White versus Sammy Guevara. Jay White versus Cody right now, you know. A lot of these guys, the, to me, these guys are some of the best wrestlers in the world in these two separate companies, and we've already seen they can work together. We've seen Jericho go over there and work Okada a couple of years ago. Uh, we saw him work Hiroshi, Tanha- Hiroshi Tanahashi earlier this year at Wrestle Kingdom. Those two had a really great match. So I think we can see a working relationship between New Japan and AEW once all of the world has kind of gone back to normal. Because I think we can really gain, a, honestly, just have a great super card that could be with AEW and New Japan. That's what I want. I think that's what we all want for the fans. We all want that as hardcore wrestling fans. So after the match, inner circle's in there. Chris Jericho gets on the mic. Thanks, everybody. And he's happy that he's lasted 30 years in professional wrestling. Then out comes MJF and Wardlow. MJF's music is playing. And MJF's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. It's not about me. It's not about me, Christopher. This is about you. Cut my music. Cut my music. Listen, buddy, I'm not trying to step on your moment. I want to come out here and congratulate you. 30 years in our amazing sport. 30 years. You're a legend, man. So Wardlow comes out with a with a gift. Pulls the paper off, and it's a clown. It's Jarek Clown. Then he's got another gift, and Jericho rips it open, and it's a picture, a portrait of MJF. Prior to this, by the way, MJF says, hold on, hold on, I just want to say before you open that, I have a career decision make, career decision to make next week, and I want you to be there, buddy. Go ahead, open the gift. And it's a picture of MJF. 
a frame picture of MJF. He's like, oh, what is this, this great gift? Then he smashes the frame picture over the clown's head, hits the clown with the Judas effect. MJF's like, what? What? Jericho gets in MJF's face and says, I hate clowns and don't ever interrupt me again. These two had an intense stare down. They looked pissed. They looked like they wanted to fight each other. And they go, ah. MJF's like, you got me. You had me going, man. Because goes, I got you, man. I got you. Oh, my God. I can't wait for this little fake friendship to end. And I want to see these two go at it so badly. I This is the match we are going to get at at full gear. I know I said last week it would be pretty cool if, if MJF joins the inner circle and we can really drag this out. I want to see this, man. I want to see this so badly. This has been done so well. To me, this has been my favorite, at least recently, it's been my favorite story that's being built right now towards the full gear, the full gear pay-per-view. It's my favorite match build at the moment. And I loved it. Then after the, after that little thing, you know, Chris Jericho's like, thank you, good night. And then everybody, the AEW locker room comes out and was celebrating. They got champagne. And they're rolling the credits like Saturday Night Live style. And every single person's name in the credit is Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho. There's even a part where like, you know, MJF grabs Sammy Guevara and hugs him and spins him around. And Sammy looks like he's not having it. There's still a thing on Twitter. MJF's like, don't worry, buddy. I'm going to get you your jacket. Don't worry. Oh, man. This this episode of Dynamite was really great. It was really enjoyable. And, again, I think they really do a great job building to the next episode, building to the next pay-per-view, and just just this this moment with Jericho and MJF just staring each other down, even for, like, the few seconds that it was. It was great. I'm like, oh, give me this match. Give me this match. Shut up and take my money. Give me this match. Next, we're going to move on, on to some a little bit of what happened at NXT TakeOver 31. Uh, this was a great, uh, great show. Um, I'm a little disappointed that there were no title changes, but the match quality made up for that. You had uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, he was defeated by uh, Escobar, and he's still the Intercon- uh, sorry, the Cruiserweight champion. I really thought at one point that Swerve Scott was going to take the title off of Escobar, but um, but he retained, and I did think one. Uh, championship would change hands. I thought it was going to be the NXT Women's Championship. Unfortunately, I was wrong. But, however, after the match, we had Io Shirai stand there. She defeated Candice LeRae. Tony Storm shows up on the t- on the screen where the fans were and says that Tony Storm is making her long-awaited uh, debut to NXT. And I'm thinking, awesome. Tony Storm is going to come to NXT. I'm happy about this. Love Tony Storm. But then, the mystery biker was revealed to be Ember Moon. It's strange they did do this in the same segment. I was happy that we got Tony Storm, and I was happy we got Ember Moon. I feel like this should have been done a little differently. I feel like this should have been spaced out. I don't know. I guess they... Because here's the thing. You definitely want to highlight both these women. You definitely want them both to feel like a big deal. I just think that maybe you should have saved one of them for TV. I think maybe we probably should have saved Tony Storm for TV. I, I understand that they want to build Tony Storm as like I've heard all these reports and rumors. They've been wanting to get Tony Storm to NXT proper, like USA NXT, for a long time. You know, she's young, she's talented, she has all the charisma in the world. 
I think they definitely want to, again, highlight her for years to come. But with Ember Moon, you've been teasing this for a long time. Well, not a long time, but you've been teasing it for the past couple of weeks. And she shows up the pay-per-view. And I, I had a feeling it was going to be Ember Moon. I don't know. I think this it was just placed differently. I wasn't necessarily excited for one more than the other. I was both. Ex- I was excited for both of them coming back, but I feel like we were probably. I felt like we should have been more focused. Should have been put on one woman rather than the other. In I. I don't know. I, I just feel like you should have done separated this. You probably should have separated this. But anyway, yeah, Ember Moon is back. I'm happy that Ember Moon is back. She really needed to go back to NXT because she was really, really botched on the main roster with her booking. Feels so bad because she has one of, if not the best finisher for the women in WWE, the Eclipse. The Eclipse is so fucking good. I love the Eclipse. I remember the first time I saw it when she had a match with Billy Kay take over Brooklyn 2. I'm like, what was that? That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So I'm really happy she's back. And it appears she's going to get into it. Uh, I would think it's going to be Io Shirai and Ember Moon the next takeover. We'll have to wait and see. Um, And I got to give some time about this one. Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor had a match of the year. Uh, it's a, The match they had was a match of the year contender. Just in plain English, honestly. These guys beat the shit out of each other. Like, both O'Reilly and Balor were both bleeding from their mouths. Balor, I mean, he had a broken jaw. He had a broken jaw. And he had to go get sent to the hospital. Apparently, Kyle O'Reilly had some broken teeth, and that's why he was bleeding in his mouth. It was a very unique match. It was very technical. I mean, I said... If you have not seen a Kyle O'Reilly singles match, you're going to be in for a real treat. I think for those of you who have never seen him had a, like a proper singles match, I mean, I loved it. I loved every second of this. I was pulling for Kyle. I was because because I think we all as as fans of NXT, we've seen there's at least one title change in a takeover. And when I saw all the other titles did not change hands, I'm like, is Kyle going to win? Unfortunately, no, he didn't win. But I'm really happy that he had this spotlight. I'm real. I really love this match so much. It was abruptly finished because apparently because of Finn's broken jaw with the coup de gras at the end, but it doesn't take away from how good it was. The end of the pay-per-view saw rich Holland ho- holding Ky- uh, Adam Cole over his shoulders and threw him over the barricade. Strong and Fish come down. O'Reilly's trying to get out of the ring. He's like, what's going on here? What's going on? And strong is going to Balor. He's like, Finn, you see what happened? What the hell happened? So they're all confused as to what happened. Uh, Rich Holland had attacked Adam Cole. I don't know what the angle was here, and I'm not sure if we're going to know for a long time because I'm afraid I've got some bad news, to quote my good friend, Bad News Barrett. Uh, Rich Holland suffered a pretty nasty injury on the following NXT. Uh, He had a match with uh, Danny Burke, and afterwards him and Oni Lorcan got into a scrap. Rich Holland was catch about to catch uh, Oni Lorcan, and the way he landed his foot behind his back, he was screaming in pain, and you know he was put out, carried out in a stretcher. He put up a thumbs up to say he was feeling okay, but the doctors and the referees were bringing up the X, 
And NXT announced that Ridge Holland suffered a dislocated fracture, a dislocated and fractured ankles. Dislocated, uh, dislocated, sorry, suffered a dislocated and fractured ankle, dislocated knee, and torn ligaments on last night's show. Oh, man, I really feel for this guy. I really do. I don't know much about Ridge, Ho- Ridge Holland. Uh, Ridge Holland. I-, I thought his match with Johnny Gargano a few weeks back was really, really impressive. But man, this really sucks. You were, but you were being put in a feud with Undisputed Era. You were definitely being positioned in a top level uh, spot on the card, and this happens. Man, I- I'm really wondering what they're gonna. NXT has not had a great luck when it comes to injuries lately. I mean, Balor suffered a broken jaw. Karrion Cross wins the NXT title, and he has to go, and he's out for the foreseeable future with a, you know, uh, the uh, get surgery on his arm somewhere, I believe. Tegan Knox apparently that torn ACL, that is real. She's out with an injury. Like it just sucks right now for NXT right now, man. I really feel, and I hope all the people I've mentioned, I really hope they they come back uh, sooner rather than later, but they have a speedy recovery. But man, Ridge Holland, I- I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. I was really excited to see what was going to happen with you, but hopefully he's put in a prominent spot in the card when this happens, you know? It really does suck. It really does suck But when they're they're trying to go all in on somebody and then a freak accident happens and, you know, there's not much you can do. you got to change your plans. And it doesn't help that guys like Keith Lee and Dijakovic have gone to the main roster along with Mia Yim and Mercedes Martinez. It's... I mean, their roster's getting kind of stripped right now. And that could happen with the draft, too. But we're going to talk about the draft later on. I'm going to go over some things that happened, uh, some things that happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton has made official, been made official for Hell in a Cell. Um, Randy challenged him. Drew accepted. And I hope this is the end of the feud. I really hope this is the end of the feud. I don't. I hope that Orton doesn't win again. I feel like he could, but um, at least for now, I'm still gonna go with what I said for my predictions for Class of Champions. I think if they wanted to put the belt on Orton, they would have done it already. They would have done it at SummerSlam. So, at least for now, I think Drew's gonna win. At least for now, I think Drew McIntyre is going to retain the WWE Championship. Uh, another thing that happened is uh, Keith Lee was going to face Braun Strowman, and then they got counted out. Again, stop. What are you doing with Keith Lee? What are you, First of all, stop making him wear that singlet. Stop making him wear that singlet and stop fat shaming the guy. He is incredible. He's limitless. No pun intended. I don't... I feel like almost every single match Keith Lee has, it's it's he's had a feud with DQs, non-finishes, and countouts. That's who Keith Lee's been feuding ever since he got into Monday Night Raw. He's had like two clean finishes in his matches. Two. One against Andrade last week and one against Orton at Backlash. Like, and isn't Strowman, uh, isn't he on SmackDown? I don't know, cross-brand, invitational, the draft guy. It doesn't fucking matter because they don't know what they're doing. They really don't know what they're doing. I mean, Vince McMahon just sees a big, big guy like like Keith Lee, big sweaty men, and puts him in Braun Strowman, and they want to... I mean, I guess it's to build to the pay-per-view. I guess it's to build to that. But my thing is, 
There are better ways to build somebody for a big pay-per-view match rather than doing non-finishes, DQs, and countouts. I get I think you're trying to protect Keith Lee. I think you are. But the way you're going to get people invested in him is that you just put him in good matches on TV weekly and just build him up and build him up against a guy like Braun Strowman and have him beat Braun Strowman cleanly. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to book somebody and make him feel like a monster or make him feel like this 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 next level baby face you want to build in Keith Lee. It's not that hard. You've done it before. You've shown me before with other guys and girls in this company that you want to make it present as a big deal and that the fans love and you've pushed them. Some you've pushed to the moon. I don't get what they're doing with Keith Lee, man. I really don't get it. You got to get your shit together, WWE. You got to get your shit together. Hopefully, if they do have a match against against each other at Hell in a Cell, Strowman and, and Keith Lee, then I hope the match is good. That's all I hope for. Another thing that's very interesting on Raw right now is what's going on between Rey Mysterio, sorry, Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins, and Aaliyah Mysterio. So Murphy tells Seth Rollins that he's been a loyal disciple for months, but if he wants him to remain, he must apologize to Aaliyah Mysterio. Rollins says he took it easy on her and could have released all the DMs if he wanted to. Dominic Mysterio and her brother Carrillo come out, and they fight. They had a tag match, uh, Murphy and Rollins, and they beat Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo, and Murphy leaves Rollins. Rollins tells Murphy he must apologize to him within an hour or else there will be hell to pay. Seth Rollins keeps demanding an apology from Murphy, but Murphy refuses and attacks him instead. Rollins and Murphy fight. Murphy makes Rollins apologize to Aaliyah Mysterio, but then, but then gets taken out with a kendo stick and a chair. Aaliyah Mysterio is pleading with Ray, uh, Seth Rollins to stop this. Um, I think I've talked about it before that this is... It's a little strange that WWE are doing a storyline with a guy who's, what, 37, 38, and a girl who's 19 years old, you know, it is a little strange, especially with the speaking out movement and, you know, some people in wrestling who have been, you know, called out for that kind of shit. Uh, I think, I but overall, I think the story is really well done. I think this is a great way to try and build to Murphy and Rollins and their eventual feud. It's just a damn shame that we've, you know, we've lost this potential great faction that Seth Rollins could have led with with Akam and Razor being released and you know Austin Theory was in the faction for a minute and then he got suspended and now he's back in NXT it, it, it's it sucks man it really sucks but if we're going to try and make a big star out of out of Murphy then you know what I'm all for it I'm all for this feud um and it is one of the few things on Raw that is actually very interesting and I definitely want to see Rollins and Murphy the next pay-per-view. If, if, if that's what it seems to be. That's where it appears to be leading to. But the big news that happened on Raw is that Mustafa Ali has joined Retribution. Mustafa Ali is the leader of Retribution. So... I've been seeing this. I've been seeing all a bunch of different takes on this. I've been people seeing like this is great. This can hopefully this ties into the hacker thing. Like let's try and do that. 
other people are not so optimistic and they're just like, oh man, they, they don't know what they're doing. I feel like they're just throwing Mustafa Ali in there and they're just going to, for the hell of it. I will say this. Retribution on Raw is horseshit. Retribution on Twitter is awesome. They're fucking hilarious on Twitter. I just wish they didn't just have so much shitty names. Um, Mustafa Ali as their leader, I think that ties in really well. He fits that drive that they have, you know, that, you know, they're tired of being overlooked and over and underutilized. And Mustafa Ali is the epitome of that, you know. Mustafa Ali was supposed to have was supposed to be in the Elimination Chamber match uh, in 2019, going into uh, before WrestleMania, and you know he got injured, and then Kofi Kingston stepped in, and obviously we got Kofi Mania, which is a great moment. But Mustafa Ali was supposed to get a pretty decent push. Who knows? Mustafa Ali he could have gone to WrestleMania that year and faced Daniel Bryan for the title. Although I don't think it was. I think it's supposed to be Kevin Owens, but I digress. And we were supposed to get this hacker gimmick. This hacker gimmick was on SmackDown. And it just kind of abruptly stopped. I hope this ties in. Because here's the thing. If they tie in the hacker with Mustafa Ali and Retribution, then you know what? I'm all game. I'm 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 fair to I'm fair to see. I'll give it a fair shot and see. Alright, let's see how this goes. And hopefully this goes well. But the pessimistic side with all this shit with WWE is making me see like, you know what? I don't know. We got to wait and see. We got to wait and see because WWE can easily fuck this up. I think they've done a they've done a poor job with retro, uh, sorry, not retribution, but with with the hurt business lately. I mean, the hurt business were these this top heel faction beating the shit out of, it, out of everybody. Cedric Alexander turns heel to join this faction and they're essentially fighting his baby faces against retribution. I I just Look, if you wanted to have a top heel faction on Raw, why didn't you just re- let Retribution be on SmackDown? Because at least on SmackDown, they would have had better booking, and people wouldn't have taken them, wouldn't have made them seem like a joke. SmackDown's been on fire lately. Because I think it's unfortunate that you have Retribution and the Hurt Business both on Raw. Well, with the draft coming up, I think that you know we're probably going to get one of these teams moved over. So. Hopefully, her business can maybe go to SmackDown, or Retribution can go to SmackDown, or the other can stay on Raw. Because I think it's, you know, a little too, you know, maybe this town ain't big enough for the two of us. I don't know. But getting into that, let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about the WWE draft coming up this Friday on SmackDown, and this Monday, next Monday rather, on Raw. So, WWE have announced that the... Pre-show, I believe, to cover the draft is Booker T and Renee Young. Renee Young, remember her who left WWE back before SummerSlam weekend? Uh, it's strange to see, but hey, that's great. I love Renee Young. Uh, I think it's a real shame that she left, and they really, really lost out big time when she left the company. But I think this is a good way to see that she's still on good terms with the company and that she could eventually come back. So anyway, WWE announced the uh, draft pool. So the superstars that are eligible to be drafted on Friday and on Monday. Friday's pool consists of Asuka, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Umberto Carrillo, Elias, Angel Garza, Drew Gulak, Heavy Machinery, The Hurt Business, Mickey James, Lucha House Party, Drew McIntyre, Murphy, 
Ray and Dominic Mysterio, Naomi, The New Day, Roman Reigns, Ricochet, Seth Rollins, Jay Uso, AJ Styles, Shorty G, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Mandy Rose. Interesting to see they only have Jay Uso in the first one. The next one is much bigger because Raw is three hours. I'm going to try and get this one, through this one quick. Andrade, Bailey, Aleister Black, Alexa Bliss, Daniel Bryan, Carmella, King Corbin, Apollo Crews, Nikki Cross, Dabakeo, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Root. Isn't that weird? They're a thing. Erica the Viking, Viking Raiders, Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair, Jeff Hardy, Billy Kay, Lana, Keith Lee, The Miz and John Morrison, Riddick Moss, Natalia, Titus O'Neil, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, R-Truth, Retribution, Matt Riddle, The Riot Squad, Peyton Royce. What the hell does that say? Arto Ruas, I don't even know who that is. Sheamus, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro, the Street Profits, Braun Strowman, Tamina, Akira Tozawa, Zelina Vega, Bray Wyatt, and Sami Zayn. That was a mouthful to get through all those names, but interesting to see that Jimmy Uso is not eligible, I guess because he's on the shelf. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to try and go through the ones who I think are definitely, definitely not leaving their brands. I think the two that are definitely not leaving their brands most likely are Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. But then again, who knows? I think the the rosters are going to be completely set, like, you know, reset at this point. They didn't make that clear last year, you know, when they're like, oh, Becky Lynch to Raw. I'm like, Becky Lynch is already on Raw. It, like, you know, Seth Rollins to Raw. It's like, uh, Seth Rollins is already on Raw. I, I don't know. Um, out of all these names, I'm going to go through a few who I think could use a good change. I think we should see Seth Rollins move over to SmackDown. I think we should see Ricochet move to SmackDown. I think AJ should go to Raw. I think either the Fiend will Bray Wyatt will either move to Smack uh, will you move to Raw or Kevin Owens will move to SmackDown. Um, there's an interesting theory going around that what if the Fiend stays on one show? And Bray stays on another. I'm not sure how that would work. I've heard that rumor before. I I remember a few years ago, I think they said something about Demon Balor going to Raw or regular Balor going to Smash. Something like that. Um, but wherever F- The Fiend goes, Alexa Bliss needs to go with him. Alexa Bliss's segment that she had last week with Kevin Owens was was fantastic. And... I mean, it pretty much... I mean, she's pretty much Sister Abigail. And if you've ever seen the old What Culture videos with Adam Blompier doing the How WWE Should Book, he does a whole thing on How WWE Should Book Sister Abigail, and it's Alexa Bliss. I, I find it funny how he's going on Twitter. He's like, all right, guys, I've tried to be chill about this after the segment that Bliss, Kevin Owens, and The Fiend had. But I think wherever Alexa Bliss goes, The Fiend should go with her. Um, seeing some of these other names, I think a guy like Aleister Black should go to SmackDown or, or Kevin Owens should go to SmackDown. Um, I don't think Daniel Bryan will go anywhere. We haven't seen Bryan for a while. I think he's kind of decided to stay home. Uh, I think Keith Lee should, ab- should absolutely go to SmackDown because Keith Lee needs better booking and SmackDown has better booking. Just get Keith Lee off of Raw. 
Get him off of Raw. If there's anybody who needs a change more than more than anything, it's Keith Lee. Keith Lee needs to go to SmackDown. Keith Lee needs to go to SmackDown. And this way, if you do that, maybe we could get a booked, a properly booked feud to have Keith Lee, I don't know, win the Royal Rumble and face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Maybe? I don't know. Just a thought. Oh, man. He needs a major change. Keith Lee needs a major change. I think Aleister Black should go over to SmackDown. Uh, I think he needs to get out of this feud with Kevin Owens. I- I've thought about. I thought about the other day. What if Aleister Black and the Fiend and-, and Alexa Bliss form some kind of spooky faction? And I think it could work. I think it could work if you know you had the Fiend kind of stay silent. Bray did the talking. Like Bray Wyatt did the talking for the Fiend, and Alexa did the talking, and Aleister Black. I think them as a trio would be really interesting to see, but they would all have to be on the same brand. That means the Fiend would not. That means the Fiend can't move over to Raw. Alexa Bliss can't move over to Raw. And Aleister Black needs to leave. Just the fact is, I would prefer Aleister Black to go to SmackDown because again, the, the the booking on SmackDown is better. I don't think this time around we're going to see Drew or Roman leave uh, Raw or SmackDown because. They've done this before where, you know, the Universal Champion Championship uh, moves over to the other brand because The Fiend won it from Seth Rollins. He's got a big red belt going over the blue show, so they changed the color. I really don't want them to change the color again. I really, really don't want them to. I, I kind of prefer the blue leather and the blue strap over the red strap. I don't know. I, I just really don't want them to change it again. Also, because again, Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns' heel heel persona is the best thing going on in WWE at the moment. So I really don't want Raw to fuck it all up. I want SmackDown to keep doing a great job with this. Um, I guess some under underrated picks we could probably go with. It's amazing to say that I'm gonna say this guy is underrated. But it's again of how WWE have booked him, and that's Ricochet. Ricochet is a guy who was at one point, he was built, well, built, quotation marks, sarcasm. He was put in a match with Brock Lesnar at the Saudi pay-per-view earlier this year. You know, you remember that Saudi pay-per-view? That shitty fucking Saudi pay-per-view where he was fucking squashed by Brock Lesnar and then The Fiend lost to Goldberg? I'm going to put on a controversial opinion. Ricochet losing to Brock was way worse than The Fiend losing to Goldberg. I was more pissed off about Ricochet losing to Brock rather than The Fiend losing to Goldberg because I knew The Fiend was going to be okay. Yes, it sucked that he lost the title. Yes, it sucked he was going to go into Mania as the champion. But look where The Fiend is now. Look where Ricochet is now. Look where Ricochet's... Look where they both... their the trajectory of their careers. Look what's happened to them. Ricochet is not nearly the wrestler he was or the superstar he was this time a year or two ago. Two years ago in August, he was wrestling Adam Cole for the NXT North American Championship in what was probably match of the night, maybe. At least they had the spot of the night where Ricochet goes for a moonsault and Adam Cole super kicks him perfectly. And that debut he made that year in New Orleans, the ladder was being pushed. He 
just glanced for a second over his shoulder and moonsault onto Lars Sullivan and Killian Dane in that amazing NXT North American ladder match. The matches he had with Adam Cole and Pete Dunne, the triple that they had on NXT television. Ricochet, I've said, is the most exciting, most innovative wrestler in the world today. And WWE have made him just another one of their guys. Another one of their smaller guys. Ricochet needs a change. If anything, let's be honest, the draft is probably not going to change anything. It's just people going to be moved around. But if anything, if there's one person who I think needs the biggest change the most, it is Ricochet. He is money. You can capitalize on him being the next top babyface, at least for kids. I mean, for kids to follow on him. He's got that Rey Mysterio-esque thing, but he's one of these guys who's taken high-flying wrestling and who's innovated it, who's taken it to another level. Rey Mysterio has said that himself. So why not move him to SmackDown? I think he's the one who desperately needs this the most. Out of everybody on here, I think he's the one who needs the biggest change. A lot of these other guys and girls I look on this list, my two, the two who need the biggest change, the two who need the better booking are Ricochet and Keith Lee. I think they're the ones who need to change brands. I can't necessarily predict... Who is going to go over to Raw or SmackDown and switch sides? But I want Keith Lee and Ricochet to move to SmackDown. I want them to move to SmackDown because they need it. They need it more than anyone in WWE right now. There's no telling if NXT is going to play a part in this. At least for now, for what's going on, it doesn't look like it is. They always could pull a fast one on us and be like, Hey, NXT is getting involved and... That just would break my heart, too. Out of all the people in NXT, though, I'm not really sure who would go to the main roster. I don't... Champa, I don't see going. Gargano, I don't see going. Uh, Undisputed Era, nope, don't see them going either because they're on the middle of storylines at the moment. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I really hope NXT doesn't get involved. So I'm not going to make any thoughts or predictions on whether or not NXT will get involved in the draft because I don't want them to. I want NXT to stay put. I want NXT to stay where they are. I want wrestlers to stay to NXT. Hell, I want wrestlers who have been in NXT to go back to NXT. I want them to go back. If Ricochet can't go back, can't go to SmackDown, send them back to NXT, please. Please? Eh, you're not fucking listening to me. Anyway, I think I'll end it there. Thank you for coming to this episode of the Not Wrestling Podcast. Uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNAWP, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's T- it's uh, sorry, it's CJ underscore twelve fourteen. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Once again, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm. Uh, Radio Pocket Cast, I think is another one on that list. If you want to find that full list, go to anchor.fm, search the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on our website, and you will see a full list of our podcast formats. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed this week. Are you excited for the draft? Are you not excited for the draft? Do you think there'll be a big change? Or do you think it's going to be more of the same old shit? I'm kind of on the boat of the same old shit. But anyway, I've been CJ Palmasano. Hope you're all doing well, staying safe, and I'll see you next time.